Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. Good morning. How's a guy that was mentioned at the first of the service? My name is Jim Spradlin, and I was having a just a relaxing evening the other night, realizing that there wouldn't be any college football on this weekend, and wondering what I was going to do with myself. And then the phone rang. It was a number I didn't recognize. Are you like me now? You just don't answer those calls when they come in because sometimes, more, no, more times than not, you regret answering if you did. And then I got a voice message right after that call, and that call said, Jim, this is C.J. Richardson, and can you call me this evening? And thanked me, and I looked at the message, and I looked over at my wife, and we talked about it for a minute. And the, the logical, the only logical thing we could come up with before I called CJ back was that he was planning a party for a mutual friend of ours. And that wasn't it. That wasn't why CJ called. CJ called because of you. And I'm blessed that he did. And I know where you are. I've been where you are. And I can taste the salt in your tears. I, don't, I can't weep with you because I'm not part of it, but I can taste the salt of your tears. But God is good. And I want to tell you something, that as many roadblocks, stumbling blocks, obstacles, log jams that we may find in our life, God is bigger than all of them. God is greater than every obstacle that is placed in our life. And sometimes, as we'll share together in just a few minutes, we place a lot of them there. We may see a little obstacle down the road and we magnify and we compound and we make our obstacles bigger and then all of a sudden God comes along and shows us that he's so much bigger than that obstacle we thought was going to ruin us. I'm going to talk to you this morning a little bit from Matthew chapter 14 and I apologize that we didn't have time to get together uh, I, I love doing PowerPoints and uh, making things where you can see what I'm talking about, but we didn't have time to do that. And, and one of the benefits for me of not having the outline done in, in a PowerPoint is you can't tell when I miss something, only I know. And uh, that's good for me because I miss things sometimes and I've had people say, Jim, you missed the, the E under number two. Can you fill in that blank? There's a lot of blanks I can't fill in, but this, these I normally can. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse um, 14, is, a, is a, an account that we're all extremely aware of, very aware of. Um, 
a group of thousands of people were gathered and Jesus ministered to them. It tells us at the beginning of it that he healed their sick. And then as we move through, beginning in verse 14 and move through that uh, portion of Scripture down to verse 21, uh, we see uh, in verse 20, we see that the, the area then was just a place of absolute fullness. In verse 20, we read this. They ate, they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. So we have, an, we have a, a, a picture and an atmosphere of fullness here. The people were full. The baskets were full. The Savior was there, who is, as the Bible tells us, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So everywhere you look, there was fullness everywhere. But as we back up a few verses, we see that the disciples, sure, they had fullness, a lot of it. Were they full of joy and expectation and and saying, wow, this is a fantastic atmosphere. We can't wait to see what God's going to do. Let's just help him and get involved and do whatever he wants us to do. Blessings and joy and praise and worship. Actually, just the opposite is true. As we begin in verse 14, we see that they were filled with obstacles. Obstacles that were there. And then they started piling up more and more obstacles. Folks, we do believe in, live for, and serve a very big, a very capable God. Think of the God of Abraham, and Moses, and Elijah, and Daniel, and the, uh, the fullness of the way that God ministered to their lives. Were there obstacles in their lives as well? Yes, you betcha there were. But God proved himself in every one of those lives to be a big God. We sing, don't we, every Sunday? Don't we sing about an enormous, capable, loving God that can meet all of our needs and is worthy of all of our praise forever and ever and ever? And it's nothing he can't do if we just believe in him and follow him. We sing about that God, don't we, every Sunday? We preach about that big God every Sunday. We go in the Bible and we read verses about that big God every time we open the Word. And yet, sometimes our lives reflect that we serve a little God, don't we? We see a big thing, a big need that needs to be accomplished. And then somehow we think it can't be done. It's impossible. This can't happen. My goodness, for this to be accomplished, it'd have to be a miracle. Really? I've seen a few of those, haven't you? But sometimes in our belief in the way we follow God, we shrink him down and we want to make him a small God. Maybe he's easier to follow that way. But Jesus is bigger than any obstacle. Pray with me for just a moment. Father, as we come this morning, we come in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the power of his shed blood. And Father, we know that uh, these days for Palmetto Church, is, um, there, there are days 
that can be seen as full of obstacles, full of difficulties. Yes, there are things that they will, in your power, that they will overcome in the days to come. We know, Father, that as we believe you and follow you, that you can accomplish all of these things and through your people. But Father, as we open your word and study it this morning, we pray for understanding of the one for the one who teaches and for the ones who hear. Forgive our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew chapter 14, the disciples desired to be very much involved in this ministry, but as we'll see in a minute, they just weren't 100% plugged in to the mind of Christ and what he was doing. And we see that, we see that revealed here in, ju- in just a moment. They wanted to do what he wanted them to do, but they couldn't figure things out. First, in the first few moments, let's look at um, and point out four things to you about these obstacles. The first thing they do, have you ever noticed if you want somebody to do something, especially in ministry, you come to them with a project, you come to them with an idea, something that needs to be done, a new ministry, and if you get one reason from that person that you're approaching why they can't do it, okay, but if they give you two or three and come at you like a Gatling gun, I can't do it for this reason, this reason, this reason, then... Have you ever thought about that? If they got more than one, it may sound like an excuse more than it sounds like a reason. And the disciples came to Jesus uh, in verse 14. We read, when he had went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Good scene. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate. The hour is already late, so send the crowds away. They may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. So the first obstacle that the, that the disciples place in the, in the way of this project that Jesus already had planned out, of course we know, it, they're saying that the, this territory is too lifeless. If, you, if you're reading the King James Version, the disciples go to Jesus and say, this is a desert place. This is remote. This is a place that we can't, we can't function or do anything here. This is desolate. How are we going to function here? Look around. You know, this is not uh, Noonan Crossing uh, Bypass. This is, a, this is a desolate place. Where's the nukes? Where's the Red Robin Where's the McDonald's? Where's the Burger King? My goodness, where's a person supposed to get a McRib? Only available for a short time, by the way. So if you hadn't had your McRib, you better go get one. But we look around, we don't see places like that. We might consider it desolate as well. And notice the disciples, they didn't come as one person. They came as a group. To bring, to bring this to Jesus. They didn't want to face him one-on-one. They wanted to come as a group and say, look, Jesus, we, we can't uh, do anything here. Um, the, the evening, the disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate. How in the world can we, can we do anything here? 
And look at this place. Look at this place that Jesus has put us in. Sometimes we want to throw it back on God, don't we? It's just not that we're in this place, but he, he put us here. We can look at each other and we feed off each other. You know, we're looking at this place. We couldn't, we couldn't have a church here. My goodness, there's, there's not enough life around here to even start a Bible study. What in the world are we going to do? This place is too lifeless. Now, Matthew's account of this and John's account as well indicated that it was a very grassy place. That, yeah, it may not be a lot of uh, fast food places around, but this is a very beautiful area and there's a lot of grass in the place. And we're going to talk in just a se- second about John's account of this as well. And he uh, says that there was much grass uh, in this place. Now, when we first begin to look at an opportunity, okay, let's, let's talk about the potential problems But let's not put obstacles in the way as we move forward. And this can be applied in any church. If I was standing uh, uh, with a group of 2,000 people or I was standing before a group here at Palmetto Church that is in the circumstance you're in, the same is true. And would you say this with me this morning, just, just to yourself, God... I know what I see, but God, please show me what you see. Show me what you see today. See, we can can look down the road and we can see to the corner. And that corner, many times the devil wants us to see nothing but a stop sign. But God says that corner has has a way to turn. In different directions. And God's already been around the corner. We know what we see. God, please show us what you see. Church, you need that. You need that individually. You need that corporately as a church. I know what I see. God, show me what you see. And let me act upon that. Not only did they come to him with the idea that this is where this is a, uh, this is a desolate place. But in the same statement... They're shooting uh, obstacles at him, and they said, this place is desolate, and the hour is already late. The territory is too, too lifeless. Now the time uh, is too late, and we couldn't, we couldn't do anything. Even if we wanted to, it's going to be dark soon. How can we do anything in the dark? It's going to be too late. Can you hear it? <laughs> and my wife and the family and I, we moved to... Noonan, uh, 14 years ago. No, I take that back. In 1986, that's a lot more than 14 years ago, isn't it? We moved to Noonan in 1986, and we were one of a, one street that was built, and then one on the other side, and one on the other side. There were three streets in this in this development, and um, new houses, and boy, it was ripe for uh, churches to come and visit, and. Man, every, every Saturday it seemed like. And I was happy to welcome these folks. They were enthusiastic to come and invite you to church. They bring gospel tracts and, and want to talk about Jesus. That was wonderful. 
uh, we were already you know, involved in the church, but still, we, we were glad to welcome these folks and glad that they were there. But you know what? After those three streets had been developed for three, four years or so, that ministry being visited every Saturday just kind of dried up. Why, why would that be? You know, they would think probably... Well, you know, we've saturated it. We've overworked the area. There's no reason to go there. Hey, there's some more new streets over here. Let's go, go down those streets on Saturdays and it's good, instead of those old streets we used, to, uh, we used to go to because the time has run out on those old streets. People needing Jesus never runs out. It never gets old. It never gets tired. People need Jesus all the time. And I saw people in the 17 years that we lived on that street, we saw family after family moving in and out. And uh, people with, with great needs uh, spiritually and personally. And, and yet, the visitation wasn't there. Because we weren't, uh, we weren't in the timing, I guess you'd say, uh, anymore. All the disciples rallying around Jesus and pointing to their Timexes. Well, now it's Apple Watches, isn't it? Anybody here got an Apple Watch? I got one for Christmas, don't know how to use it. <laughs> I accidentally, I didn't wear it this morning because it buzzes and distracts me. But I tap it and it does things and then I can't get it back to the watch. But anyway, the, the disciples came to Jesus and showing them uh, showing him their, their, their watches and going, Jesus, this place is desolate and now it's getting dark. What do you expect us to do? We, we, just, can't, we just can't do anything here. You know, i got to be honest. I've many times looked at my calendar and looked at my watch and looked at my location and wondered if God was in a million miles of what I was doing. But you know the statement I wasn't making at the time, but I needed to make, and God showed me through some of those experiences. But I stopped and said, God, I know what I see. Show me what you see. Show me what you see. Guide me to and through what you're seeing. Listen, God's not interested in our calendars. I doubt very seriously if he owns a watch. And... We need to understand that God wants us to see what he sees, not just down the road, but in terms of timing. God, show me your timing so we can get off of my timing. Church, your area, and I'm not talking necessarily geographically, but your area might seem lifeless right now. And the time may seem late right now. But ask God to show you what he sees. And God is bigger than any of our obstacles. I'm going to jump for just a second for our third obstacle over to John chapter 6, which is an account of the same, uh, of the same um, feeding of those, of those thousands of people. And in John 6, uh, verse 5, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd was uh, coming to him, he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he knew what he was going to do. 
And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient even for everyone to receive a little. The NIV says for everybody to have a bite. For everybody to have one bite, that amount of money would not buy what all they needed. Territory is lifeless. Time is late. You know what else they were saying? The treasury is limited. We don't have enough, we don't have enough money to come into an area to do something where it's too late. Into an area that's not worth our time anyway because it's desolate. Lifeless territory, late time, not enough, not enough money. Real estate experts, timekeepers, and now they're accountants, all coming to Jesus saying, can't be done, can't happen. We got to do something else. We're not going to be able to accomplish anything. And I can just, I can just hear them together saying to each other, why does he keep going with this? Where is he going? What's happening? Why can't he see what we see? Why can't he see that it's lifeless and timeless and, and we don't have any money? Why can't he see that? My goodness, to, to, to fix this, why well, take a miracle? There we go with that again. Well, haven't you seen one of those before? I have. We get into those situations, it's all about what I and we can do, isn't it? We fail to look at what God can see. It would take a miracle. Our treasury is way too limited. <laughs> you want us to feed that many people with this little amount of food? Not only do we not have any money, but then they find a little boy there that's got five loaves and two fishes. And study of that area of Scripture tells us that those loaves were very, very small. And the fish were even smaller. And so it was like a work, a work person's little lunch basket or something that, that this boy brought up. And so not only is the need big uh, insurmountable in its, in its bigness. And somebody comes up with five loaves and two fishes and says, well, how are we going to feed all these people with so little? And then we don't have the money to buy it. And the, the, the time's too late to do it. And the area's too lifeless to do it in. We've been there before, haven't we? And God is saying, slow down. Look at me. Listen to me. What you can't accomplish, I'm about to. And certainly he is. Now let's finish up by looking at the, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. You back up just a little bit and look at this. It's almost comical. Jesus paid little or no attention as they were moving through this to the hopeless and negative comments that they kept bombarding Jesus with and spreading amongst each other. See, when one person gets, gets down about an obstacle, they're not satisfied to be down by themselves. Misery loves what? Company. And when we get down and we see obstacles, we want to make sure all of our friends see those obstacles uh, as well. Now, 
Here's this ministry opportunity placed before him. And we go back to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 18. We have the five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus said, bring them to me. And ordering the people to sit down on the grass. That's one of the biggest statements in my mind that I have, <clears throat> that I have read. Think about this. You know, we've read accounts and we've seen the, the research done that there were uh, 5,000 men and women and children. How many thousands of people were there? Some say 20,000 people out there. And it's getting late. And they're getting hungry. And, the, you know, the territory doesn't have a lot of places for them to eat. All these things are true. And then Jesus, in verse 18, I think sometimes we pass over this. Verse 19, ordering the people to sit down on the grass. Now, how do you yell loud enough to get the attention of 20,000 people? You can't yell loud enough, can you? But you don't have to if you're him. He's the great I am, and he's standing out there, and all he has to do to 20,000 people is go, hey, sit down. They've got fewer obstacles in front of them than the disciples do because they've experienced Jesus ministering to them. They've experienced Jesus healing their sick, and they're looking to him like, we know something's next. You're not just going to leave us out here with nothing. And so he just indicates to 20,000 people that they sit down. And what do they do? They sit down because he's God. He's the Christ, and he knows, and he cares, and they sense this. The disciples are still going, what are they going to do? The people understand. 20,000 of them sitting there in the grass. He took up the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and breaking the loaves. He gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up what was left over the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. Now there were about 5,000 men who ate besides women and children. From verse 14 up to about 18, Jesus was working And the 20,000 people were paying attention to him. And the disciples were trying to figure things out. Not looking to the God who was standing in their midst. The people were understanding. The people were following Jesus. But he was there all the time. He was there working even when we didn't see him. Even when the obstacles seemed to be greater than the presence of Christ. He was there there they could have said in those earlier verses well sure is getting late but hey look who we're following look who's calling the shots here he's got it under control it's a lifeless area it doesn't matter to him he'll meet the need look what he's done for us already look at the how miraculous he is and the, what he's taught us and what he's done in our midst. 
He'll take care of it. How late it is, how desolate it is, how little money there is, how little food there is. Jesus said, let's say the blessing and eat. He'll do that in your life and he'll do it in mine. He starts the rest of the story before we even believe it, doesn't he? He's amazing. He's bigger than my obstacles. He's bigger than your obstacles. And he loves you. You know, I can look out over you this morning and, and realize that um, you're an easy people to love as a church. I can, I can just look out there and sense that. I know some of you folks, too. And love you and have loved you for years. And I also know as I'm looking out there that my capacity to love you has absolutely nothing <laughs> in comparison with God's ability to love you. And he does. And he wants to show you that he does. He's got what you may be seeing, what you can see right now. But what he's got for you is amazing. So follow him. We're going to um, pray in just a minute and have a, have a time of uh, reflection and uh, invitation. And, you know, I've always said that these areas down here, there's, there's no real virtue in a piece of wood with carpet on it or whatever that's down here. But if God is touching your heart, it can certainly be a good place just to get in touch with him, just to talk to him. And remember, prayer is not one way. Let him talk to you as well. He wants to talk to you today. He wants to encourage you. He wants to direct you. He wants to show you what he sees. So as we Reflect on that for just a moment. Now, see, I'm coming down there, and I realize that the quickest way to come down there was right there, and I'm not going to do that. I had knee replacement in August, so I'll use that as, a, as an excuse not to jump off the platform. You don't want to see me do that, do you? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I hope God has spoken to you today in some way that you might want to reflect on. You may want to come, come talk to him about it. I'm down here. I'm going to put a mask on and it might mash down the piece of a thing that I might not be able to speak too well after that. But if I can pray with you about something, please, please don't hesitate to, to do that. I would love to speak with you. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that as we've shared in this account today, that your word has just washed over our hearts and our minds and so many things going through so many people's minds at this point. 
We just pray, Father, that no one would be uh, misdirected or open to the lies of the enemy. God puts us in a place of ministry. It's a place of growth. And it's an opportunity for each one of us to bloom where we're planted. And we pray, Father, that all of those that you've planted in this place for your purposes would bloom in the days to come. Now, Father, as, um, as we come into this time of invitation, if you're speaking to hearts, we just pray, Father, that uh, they would listen, each person would listen and, and respond in the way uh, that you speak to them and the way you intend. In Jesus' name, amen.